Hello, listeners, and welcome to another episode of History Creeps. I am one of your hosts, Carter Johnson, and with me is uh, the enigmatic uh, Johnny Townsend. Johnny, say hi. Uh, hi. I don't know what that means. I'm going to assume that that means you want to uh, steal my family <laughs> <laughs> and take my honor from me. <laughs> to which I said to you, sir, I, I had none to begin with. So I will dishonor your cows. I will dishonor your oh, cows. Oh, not my cows. That's <laughs> the only thing I have, Carter, is my cows. You, <laughs> I don't even have a cow. Uh, and also with me is the talented and podcastiest guy, uh, Chris Chavez. Podcastiest? Yeah, you, you I don't like that. that. That's that's fancy podcast. Like it, it, it almost sounds it almost sounds like it's uh for the, like the the Greeks and Romans age. I'm gonna put that on my business card. Chris Chavez, BICBP Radio Network podcastiest. Does it not sound like uh like one of the when you're in school and you're learning about all the Greek gods and stuff? Yeah, yeah, it does. It does, look, or maybe like a a newfangled type of dessert. Or yeah, something you know. That's weird. As, as you were introducing me, my, my mind was going to lemon meringue pie, and I don't know why. <laughs> you knew it was coming. It, it was coming. You knew it was coming. <laughs> <laughs> That's good stuff. That's why. Now I want some. Thanks a lot, Chris. <laughs> How's it going, yeah, guys? I kinda, it's good, man. How are you guys doing? Ready to get into this episode, dude. I know your story is going to be pretty cool tonight. Um, but, man, I just I like when we get together and talk history creeps. I'm ready. I'm ready to do this. Well, we uh, remember we we mentioned this uh, particular one um, on our last episode, and we wanted to kind of get into it, but it was a little too much, so yeah. we saved it for this time. And uh, I also, listeners, have a pretty cool uh, current creeps here. Creep update. You know what? We actually should get like a little theme song for that. You know, something short like the Law and Order theme. Yeah. You know, like dun dun. Yeah, but it's gonna be a little different. So let's make it dun dun. Say <laughs> so yeah, something cool like that. Yeah, yeah. Just think all the noises we just made, Chris, and make something from it. Just, yeah, just just shove them all together. It'll be yeah. it'll be good. With us we're laughing fully, in the background. We're fully artists. <laughs> just all craziness, all these crazy noises. Here's me. Here's me in a helicopter. <laughs> We're ba- I'm going to make basically create a brand new noise using all of them, kind of like they did with the the roars for the the, the dinosaurs in Jurassic Park. You know yes. how they took all like three you know or four different animals and then combined it's, them to make one roar. Oh, it's yes. so funny that you say that because I was just watching Jurassic Park the other day and, and going, "Why does the T Rex sound like an elephant?" Because <laughs> there's like <laughs> elephant, lion, and some other thing in that in that. There's, yeah, there's all. Yeah. It's crazy. Right before he eats the lawyer, he he does the elephant trumpeting noise. Really, I was yeah. like, uh, yeah, okay, whatever. You're a dinosaur. <laughs> He's happy. He's about to eat a lawyer. I mean, what other noise are you going to make? Which you know, technically... Side... Go ahead. You go first. Mine's very unrelated, so you might as well go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, in the, you know, in the book, he didn't eat the lawyer. I know. Oh, I know. Trust me. I <laughs> I was hardcore into those movies and those books. I loved both. <laughs> yeah, he, he didn't eat the lawyer and he didn't and the Raptors didn't kill Muldoon. I was so mad when that happened. Which one were you into first, Johnny, the book or the movie? The movie. I didn't even know right. it was based on a book until after I saw the movie. But I oh, did really? Yeah, but I did enjoy both quite a bit. That movie came out right when I was old enough to see like a radar movie, so around when I was thirteen. 
And not that that movie's rated R, but you know what I mean. That's how old I was. Was that the age that you were doing the backyard wrestling? (laughs) (laughs) Did you think that was going to go unsaid? I was hoping so. Because now now I can picture you sitting at a movie theater with a bucket hat on, eating your popcorn, watching watching Jurassic Park. Hey, that bucket hat. That buckethead had Scooby-Doo on it. Let's not forget <laughs> this. It's important to the story. Just so listeners know, what he's referring to <laughs> is uh, uh, I still love wrestling now, but when I was growing up, I was hardcore into it. And my co-host with Retro Bliss, Trevor, and his brother, Derek, we all grew up together. And and if <laughs> and if I'm being honest, I kind of influenced things they liked just because you know they were friends. <laughs> so I don't, I, not that they didn't like wrestling, but I think because of me, they liked it more than they would if I wasn't around. <laughs> uh, but we decided we were going to be wrestlers, backyard wrestlers. We came up with characters and everything. Uh, it was by far the safest thing you've ever seen. We were not going <laughs> to get hurt. Trust me. Uh, but um, we filmed these. And the other day I was going through my stuff and I found the DVD that his dad, because his dad did all the commentary and filming. Oh, that's even better. <laughs> and, and it's a gold mine of stuff. Like it's even got, uh, it's got all our, and I'm using quotation marks, matches in it. And, uh, it, which includes the one where, at, <laughs> the one where Derek and Trevor get into a legit argument with each other in the middle of the said match to the point where if you listen closely in the background, you can hear their mom come out and tell them that if they keep it up, they're going to send me home. <laughs> <laughs> so this was a hardcore thing. Dude, that uh, promo you cut was, was classic. That was just yeah, the, it was. the best. You go to my Facebook page, you can find the promo that I'm <laughs> the gifted <laughs> promo artist that I am. It took me right back to the nineties, man. It was great. Yeah. <laughs> you know that feeling of being able to walk? Don't get used to that it. promo. Right? That promo will find its way onto a, a sister podcast or, or a podcast we have on the network, the Dusty Finish, because that's a Hall of Fame promo right there. I think so. I think so. But I'm biased. So anyway, no more wrestling talk. We're here for current yeah. creeps. Uh, Carter, what's the creep update you got, man? Well, you know what? I brought up. I brought up this article from the the name of this newspaper. Always makes me laugh. The Sacramento Bee. Uh, exactly. I got I got to read you the first two paragraphs because the, the way that it that it's written is just great. It's perfect. So here we go. Are you in the market for a ranch home? Yes. Would you, would you enjoy being an easy drive from Phoenix? Of course. Huh. Yeah. Do you want to slay Malavan aliens with a samurai sword? Wait, wait, oh, wait, yeah, wait, 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 what? 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 <laughs> well, who doesn't? Right. <laughs> if you answered yes. To any of these questions, the Stardust Ranch on sale now for $5 million in Buckeye, Arizona, may be just for you. Cue the uh, Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous music now. Right. Where's Where's Donovan Leach on here? You know? <laughs> oh, uh, my God. So Stardust Ranch is up for sale. For $5 million bucks, man. I can't, like, it makes you wonder, what did this guy pay for it when he first, because I can't, I mean, that's, you know. What's the name of the guy like that, that, owned, that owned it? Uh, where is he? Uh, John Edmonds. Okay. Now this isn't the same one that, uh, this isn't the same guy that's friends with the, the Senator that, that we did that whole story with, with the Pentagon and the UFO case files. No, right. That's a whole different ranch. This, yes, there's two different ranches out there. We've talked about, but we did talk about Stardust Ranch. Yes. This was the invasion of the aliens, samurai swords. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
he's claimed to have killed 18 extraterrestrials with a samurai sword while living in the home. And their bodies just, like, evaporate or dissolve or some craziness. Right. Yeah. yeah. He's also claimed that his wife was being sucked out of their room by UFO until he bravely, I guess bravely, ran out with a shotgun and shot up towards the UFO. That's right. Yeah. Wow. So the house. Yeah. So now the ranch is up for sale. Does he? Does who? Who do you think is going to buy this ranch? Who well, buys here's, this ranch? Here's, here's one thing that I found reading this article. I didn't know this, but he's apparently uh, owned this ranch for 20 years. Wow. I, yeah, I didn't. Know, I didn't know he'd he'd owned it for that long. You know, because remember when we covered Skinwalker Ranch, the Shermans only lived out there for two years before they ditched the place. Right. That went through right. different hands. Like a few people were were uh, were changing hands on that. Yeah, yeah, this guy, I mean, it, it makes you wonder if he's like, you know, in in believing his own stories, if he like thinks he's trying to, you know, save people from it. Like, oh, I can't let anybody buy this because it's a huge, terrible burden, you know, to fight off these aliens. And I'm the only person that probably a little bit of a hero complex. So this is coming know, up in the news it. again, because I know wasn't it like last year at some point he tried to he tried to sell it then too. he put yeah. it up for sale like a few months ago, I feel like. Um, but look. it makes you wonder, you know, who, who, I mean, aside from some shadowy government agency or whatever, who, who, who in their right mind would want to buy this place? I wouldn't, I mean, I, you know, I, I would, I would be willing to pack my 45 and my shotgun and go do a show with you guys at, at Stardust Ranch, but I'm not going to, I don't want to live there. There's so much more you can do with $5 million. Dude, there's an article on New York Post from October when he tried to sell it last year. Um, And in this article, there's a picture that he posted. uh, I remember this guy now. There's a picture that he posted in March of last year of a samurai sword covered in blood laying on the ground where it looks like there's a whole big old pool of dried blood that he said was from an alien that he killed. Um and I remember this guy because I remember seeing an interview with him. I guess it was – I think we talked about it on the show that he was doing an, uh, a video interview with somebody on a podcast. And in the background, you could see like this little figure or this little head kind of pop out from behind the door and then jump right, yeah. back. You remember that? Yes. Mm-hmm. Now I remember this Edmonds guy. So $5 million. You guys have $5 million. Would you buy it? No. There's other things I can do with that money. Well, it seems like, remember, we again, going back to Skinwalker Ranch, remember when we talked about Skinwalker Ranch at the end of, of that episode, we mentioned that uh, a, uh, a a billionaire basically had bought that ranch and was using it for research to try to figure out if, if the stuff that these people claimed was happening there was actually happening. And now we found and, out that was tied to Harry Reid in the Pentagon. Exactly. So it seems to me that this would be another one of those places. You know, I wouldn't be somebody surprised. like that would want to. Buy I was going to say I wouldn't be surprised if Tom DeLonge doesn't head out there and try to buy it. Well, and it's not all blocked off like Skinwalker Ranches. You can actually go here. You know. Ooh, interesting. Quite, quite. <laughs> so, I think he also claims that it's. It also has ghosts there too. I think. I think I heard that as it's well. All ki- it's, it's all kinds of stuff. It's like paranormal yeah. things going on there. It's like the uh, the hub of all paranormal activity. Right, like he claims, if you don't take the aliens' heads, the bodies disappear. Really? All right, so, 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 so where are the heads, okay. bro? <laughs> That's what I was going to say. All right, let's let's just take what he just said there at face value. Right? 
Uh, if you don't take the heads, then a body disappears. Well, we're okay. So, uh, so where are all the bodies? Uh, they're they're nowhere. Well, then how do you know that if you take the heads, the body stays there if you've never done it? <laughs> well, and what happens when you separate the head from the body? Does does the head disappear and the body stays, or how does that work? I don't know. It's a what a web we found here. So there you, you go. Know what it makes me think of when he says, "If you don't take the heads, they disappear." I picture Christopher Lambert. You know, there can be only one. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, uh, so I, I don't know, man. But it's for sale, guys. Uh, if you've got five million dollars, you've got two seven five zero South Randlett in Utah, Skinwalker yeah. Ranch. Well, Chris, yeah. you never answered. Would you pay five million for it if you had it? No. I wouldn't pay five million. <laughs> if I had five million dollars, I'd try to talk them down. I'd be like, "Yeah, you know, I don't know about that. You think that the aliens are a draw, but really, yeah. you're moving for a reason, right? They're a pain. So let's knock that price down a little, there, buddy. It's like it's like having loud neighbors. You know what I mean? Like you're you don't you don't yeah. want them going crazy and at the apex of their their loudness when you got you're showing people the house you're trying to buy, right? So you're not right, why yeah. why would you advertise the fact that you're selling this because these aliens have been such a burden on your life over the past 20 years. And also, you know, there's no way that he paid that much for it to start with. No. Right. So, uh, uh I was yeah. looking at you real, just gave me a great idea for a book. I just want to throw this to you real quick. Okay. Skinwalker ranch. If you just type in skinwalker ranch on Google, it'll come up with the address and the coordinates on the map. Um, tells you, you know, when they're open 24 hours a day, obviously it's a private residence. Then it gives you reviews. One of these reviews says, "Not quote, not the safest vacation, but scary and fun if you bring a weapon. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go, guys. There you go. Skinwalker Ranch. Yeah, there are Google reviews of this Scary place. <laughs> and fun if you bring a weapon. You're right. There are Google reviews. <laughs> For, so everybody knows there's been 39 reviews. It has a 4.2 out of 5. <laughs> <laughs> it was scary. My sister disappeared, and me and my family could not sleep in peace. My sister disappeared. That's so, like, just randomly thrown in that sentence. Oh, that's man. That's odd, man. That's that's super odd. Somebody else put, I went there with my friend's family, and she disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> what? I, I bet you this has got to be a lot of trolls gotta be yeah oh that's amazing all right that's an awesome update so skinwalker ranch is up for sale i want to see if a listener is going to buy it that'd be awesome if we have a listener that has five million then they should if we have a listener that has five million you buy that ranch and then we and then you can pay us we'll come out and do a live podcast there heck you can build us a studio there and we'll move there we'll go there once once a month or do oh we'll do a yearly halloween episode from there live but yeah. what I want first, what I want first, and I need to be shown a demonstration, I need one of you guys or the people that buy the place to invest some money in inventing actual proton packs. I want a proton <laughs> pack if I'm going to be out there. I just want a samurai sword. Apparently, it's all you need. Yeah. Yeah, you just need a sword, Carter. Why do you need a proton pack? <laughs> because because a proton pack solves every problem just like a flamethrower. It's really cool. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I get why you want one, but just give me a sword and I'll just go slice and dust some aliens. <laughs> That's awesome. I wonder if we ever just tried talking to them, like just having a conversation. Yeah. Like, guys, can you keep it down? I'm just yeah. trying to sleep. Yeah. 
They're like, hey, do you want a beer? I just bought some beer. Like, do they have yeah, beer get them drunk. It, you know, yeah. let's let's talk. Oh yeah, man, get the aliens drunk. All right, That'd be something to see. <laughs> All right, Carter, why don't you uh, why don't you take us on a journey into your topic for today? Tell the good creepers at home what we're going to be talking about. Um, what we're going to be talking about today is a very interesting um, case uh, happened on Christmas Eve in 1945 um, in uh, in Fayetteville. And I'm trying to make sure that that – okay, Fayetteville, West Virginia. I was like, wait a minute. How did I not know this was in North Carolina? Um, <laughs> so, so this is actually a, a fairly famous case. Um, a very famous disappearance type of case. Um, it's actually one of my wife's favorite uh, topics to look into. She loves falling down YouTube rabbit holes with stuff like this, as I'm sure you guys do too. Um, so on Christmas Eve in 1945, the Sodder family, that's, that's for our listeners that want to look it up, that's spelled S-O-D-D-E-R. Uh, were celebrating uh, on Christmas Eve. It was a husband named George and his wife Jenny and their nine children. They have they had ten children, but by the time this incident happened, the oldest son had joined the army and was and was gone from home. He was serving in World War II. Um. So on Christmas Eve, uh, the family, um had been doing their Christmas Eve thing like most of us do, opening gifts, have you know, having some dinner, yada yada yada. Um, and the younger children uh wanted to stay up a little later, so they asked their mom. And the mom uh told them, Yeah, sure, as long as your two older brothers are are awake, y'all can stay up. Uh so her husband uh and the older older boys uh uh who were twenty three and sixteen uh, uh, went to bed and the mother took, uh, the youngest child, Sylvia, youngest daughter, uh, up to bed with her. Um, the phone rings at 1230 AM. So that would make it Christmas day. Uh, and according to Jenny, it was a voice that she didn't recognize asking for somebody that didn't live in the house. So she assumed uh, that it was a it was a wrong number, and apparently the woman hung up, but not after giving her a very strange kind of laugh, uh, which uh, you know me being me would be enough to freak me out right there. Um, she noticed uh, when she went to bed when she went back to bed, Jenny, the wife, did that uh, the lights were still on downstairs and the curtains were still open as well, and. She knew that uh, based on what she had told the children, that was not something that they normally left uh, undone, as it were. The kids would would turn the lights off and close the curtains and go to sleep. At 1 a.m., the wife, Jenny, was awakened uh, by something hitting the house's roof. Um, it's not clear what it was, but it, but it was heavy enough to make a loud, a loud enough sound to wake her up. And but there was nothing else after that, so she went back to sleep. She woke up a half hour later and smelled smoke in the house. So she got up and went to the room that her husband George used, kind of as an office. And that room was on fire, and the fire was centered around the telephone lines and the fuse box that was in this room. 
the uh, the wife woke up her husband and they started evacuating uh, the house. You got to remember it's 1945. There's probably you know they're in they're in Fayetteville, West Virginia. It's not you know a, a, a very big city um, at that point in time. As as I don't believe it is a very big city now either. So uh, the husband gets up. The two of them start uh, evacuating the house. They were yelling upstairs uh, to their children, but they got no response, and they couldn't get upstairs because the stairs were already on fire. Uh, one of the sons told the police when he was interviewed after this incident occurred um, that when he went up there, went upstairs to the attic as he was already upstairs, his his other siblings were not there. Um, so. According to the statements, the house basically burned to the ground, and these people could not find uh, five of their children. So, sadly enough, they assumed the worst, that the kids had had perished in the fire. Um, The next day, once the fire had been contained and the police got there and they began their investigation, there uh, there were no bodies that they could find in the in the uh remains of the house now you guys know you know a fire has to be very very hot in order to uh incinerate bone you know it's very easy for you or i to get burned superficially as it were in a fire but in order to completely incinerate a body you're talking extremely high temperatures not the kind of temperatures that you would get from from a house burning Correct. Um, yes, I think it, it's also. I think it's also important to note that I don't remember. I don't think you said this, Carter, but I probably all did. the 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 kids who were upstairs were all the younger ones. Uh, the oldest one was like fourteen, I think, and uh, they run the gamut of ages from under there. Uh, the only, I think, everyone that got out was the older ones plus the two year old. Is that right? I think yes. that was. Yeah. Yes, because I believe the two year old was sleeping in the parents' room at right. that time. Um, God forbid anybody so, looks at my search history because I just typed this in. Uh, <laughs> how hot to incinerate bones. And the first thing that comes up is a website, officer.com, uh, and the title is Burning Evidence. <laughs> uh, Listen, so, man, do what I do. Every once in a while, I'll go on to Google and just type in, don't worry, Google, I'm a writer. Oh, that's nice. Just just because? <laughs> what remains is called bone ash and is mainly composed of tricalcium phosphate. It can be uh, it can melt under high pressure at thir- 1,381 degrees Celsius, which is much higher than temperature used to cremate corpses. So that's why bones remain intact after cremation. So after cremation, yes, bones stay intact. Like literally has to go up to that temperature and be burning for about two to two and a half hours before it'll start to turn to ash. Right. And this, and this fire here lasted less than an hour, 45 minutes, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because according to this, uh, because the fire department was short on manpower, they were not able to get there immediately. Oh, we're going to get to the fire department. Yeah. This is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. We're, (laughs) we'll get there too. Um, now, according to some of the accounts, the uh, the fire department did find bone fragments, but chose not to tell the family. But that is not can't you know considering it's nineteen forty five can't exactly be confirmed or denied. It's just sort of a thing that's out there. Um, 
So the uh, fire department began their investigation once everything was under control. And according to what I'm seeing, it was not a very good investigation. Uh, it was rather sloppy, if you will. Um, so the fire chief told Mr. Sauter, George, our guy, George, uh, to not mess with anything so that the, you know, the state people could come in and take a look. Uh, to me that, that right there is an omission of you didn't do a very good job on the investigation, but I'm not a professional, so I don't know how that kind of stuff would work. I guess maybe if it's something like this, you would have to bring people in if you're that short staffed. Do you know what I mean? Um, so apparently this is where this is where we get into the interesting stuff. After four days, George and Jenny couldn't bear to look at their burnt out house anymore. Uh, so George. Go ahead. Hey, Carter. Sorry, real quick. Before you get into yeah, all this stuff, did you talk about the, the fact that they tr when they got out that their phone didn't work when they tried to call the fire department? I don't remember if you just said that. I can't remember if you there's said a couple, that. No, there's I, a couple of things that happened. The phone, yeah, during I the fire. I didn't, I didn't mention the phone thing, but I did mention that the fire may have started from the phone lines. Right. So there's, a, there's a couple of things, too. That, since yeah, I was going to say there was, a whole, there was a whole lot of weird things that happened yeah. between the time that the fire broke out and the time that the fire department got there. Right, like he couldn't find a ladder where it usually was. Yeah, because uh, he was going to use a ladder to get up to his kids. George, uh, the George, cars, yeah. yeah, the cars weren't working or something because yeah, he, was he going had to use those. He had two up. coal trucks that he apparently he wanted to use to drive next to the house to to climb up to the to the top windows, jump on top of to get to the top of the windows. And yeah, both right. of the cars wouldn't start. They tried to call the fire department. Uh, their phone wasn't working. Uh, it was all this weird stuff that was going on. I guess. Well, the and that's yeah, and that's not counting the weird stuff that happened before the fire too. Right. The children. Will, yeah. the children reported seeing weird cars following them around. The uh, the insurance salesman. Yeah. yeah the yeah the insurance salesman who I guess you know was like a door to door kind of guy. Uh, oh, he was much and, more than that. <laughs> well, no, I mean like at the you know at the time yeah. he was a, yeah. he was a door to door <laughs> you know insurance salesman, uh, and apparently told George that. Uh, you know, your 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 house will burn down and your children will be destroyed after George told him, No, nah, I don't I don't need any insurance right now, dude. Get out of here. Yeah. So apparently um, and a lot of the town, per my understanding, he uh, he came from Italy. Like he was born in Italy. This was during yes. World War Two, so you this is Mussolini era. Um that area that he was living in in West Virginia at the time apparently had a lot of Italians there. Like it was mainly Italian. Yeah. Yes. And most of them at the time were pro Mussolini, per my understanding. Obviously, I didn't live there. I don't know. This is just what I've seen on documentaries and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And so, since he George was apparently uh, very opinionated, and he would just state his opinions, he was not a fan of Mussolini. So, therefore, a lot of Italians thought he was like almost like a traitor to the Italian to the other Italians and stuff. Right. And he. And had a lot of enemies from the sounds of it. Yeah, so he already, he already had people that didn't like him. So the night the fire yeah. breaks out, all these weird things just look... If you start to put all these things together, you start to see maybe it's not as weird as you would think. It sounds like there's more. it's more foul play at hand here. Uh, because, yeah. again, there's the part the part where the, their phone didn't work, and so the girl goes to a neighbor's house to call the, the fire department, gets a hold of the fire department. Or no, it's calling. No one's answering at the fire department. Uh, they have to actually literally go into the town and get the fire marshal. Now, we talked about the fire 
blazing for about 45 minutes, about an hour at the most. But it took the fire department almost seven hours to get to their house when it could only take, it usually takes 20 minutes to drive there is one of the things I saw. So it was all these weird things. It's almost like they, they were like, sure, let the place burn down, let them die. We don't care kind of a thing. Which is interesting until you factor in that these five children, uh, the other five solder children, their bodies were never found. Right. In the, in the, uh, in the wreckage of the house. And I believe it was one of their neighbors. Um, I don't think it was the neighbor that she went to, that the wife went to use the phone. I believe it was one of their other neighbors saw five children that matched the solder kids descriptions, uh, leaving the area that night. Yeah. Something's right. weird. With and, that. and there were, and there were going to be other sightings of the kids later on. Yes. Um, which would add more fuel to the fire, so to speak. Uh, but there's a lot of weird things about the fire itself, you know, like that you had the kids were split, right? Some were half were upstairs and half were downstairs. Uh, they, oh, the ones downstairs were allowed to stay up later when she had that weird, strange phone call that people seem to barely talk about during this, which I don't understand. Um, she had to go downstairs to answer the phone. And from the accounts of it, from everything she's seen with the lights being on and the curtains not being closed, that means the kids are still awake, right? Or at least yep. one or two of them. Okay, then she goes back to bed, and then that's when the loud sound happens and all this stuff. So let's just say, like, here's the two uh, – here's what we're trying to get at. A lot of people claim, especially the family themselves, that the uh, the kids that were upstairs did not die in this fire. They were kidnapped for whatever yeah. reason. Yeah. So if – um, so there's a lot of weird questions that go along with that, like to get upstairs uh, or the, okay, I guess they could have done it through the window, I guess. But, you know, you would think they'd go through the house and then the other kids never said they saw anything. I don't think, did they? No, no but uh, here's an here's an interesting one. Um, a bus driver that was passing through Fayetteville that yeah. night said he saw people throwing what he called balls of fire at the house, which le- which lends credence to the arson side of it versus this was some kind of accidental fire. Yeah, the now, fire de- the fire department and uh, whoever makes these decisions claim that the fire was started through faulty wiring. Yes. How- however, the uh, the case against that is a the lights were on when she went downstairs, and b and b he- they had had the electricity that that wiring checked just like a month or two before then. He didn't, yeah, uh, solder had an uh, uh, an electrical stove installed in the house. And the electrical company came out and checked the uh, and checked the wiring and told him, "You're good. Everything's good." Yeah. So. So the investigation happens. There's an inquest, and the people that are charged in coming up with what you know, what do you think happened? Is they say, "Oh, it was a uh, it was a fire. It was it was due to the wiring." Yeah. And then we find out that one of the people on that jury was. Uh, uh, half- Happens to sell insurance. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, how convenient uh, and death threats. <laughs> and death threats. <laughs> well, and now, now we're going to get into the interesting part about the what Johnny mentioned before about all the uh, eyewitness claims or eyewitnesses that claim to have seen the children after the fire started. Right. Uh, one woman who was apparently watching the fire from the side of the road. Which makes perfect sense. I mean, we've all done, you know, 
done things like that. I I watched the fire department do a controlled burn on a house once, and that was really interesting. Um, she says that she saw the kids peering out of a passing car while the house was burning. Another woman who was at a rest stop between Fayetteville and Charleston uh, said she saw them having breakfast the next morning. And, you know, one of the things that is never brought up in this that I find interesting is that there's nine children living in this house, right? Eight if, eight if you don't count the, the young uh, two-year-old. So if something like this is going to happen, okay, and, these, and say these children did survive uh, the fire and quote-unquote ran away, what what is their motive for doing that? Was this guy was was he an abusive father? Was the mother not because when you see when you hear a story like this, like for me, that's where my mind immediately goes to is what's the motivation? What's the yeah, reason? There, yeah, there's gonna be a reason for it, right? The reason you know what you what you guys have been saying about his anti Mussolini views and stuff that that I guess provides a motivation for the house to burn down. But if the children didn't die, what happened to them? Right. That's and that's where this mystery really. Uh, takes a turn. I mean, if this was just a, a, a deadly fire, it obviously would be sad and terrible, especially on Christmas Eve. I mean, that just makes it even worse for some reason. But absolutely. But you lose all these children. This family gets is gutted in half, and they lose half their children. I mean, that's just devastating in the first place. But this story just takes a weird turn after weird turn. Uh, I mean, we ain't even gotten to the point where, uh, of course, the the Soder family believes that the children are still alive and one of the one of the reasons that this they keep thinking this is despite also because of those uh, sightings that carter mentioned before uh, years and years later like 20 years later they would still get weird things like uh one of the one of the kids i think received a picture in the mail right yes um yeah. the mother i think the mother got it oh the mother okay yeah the mo- yeah the mother received a picture in, yeah, in in uh, in '68, that was postmarked uh, in Central City, Kentucky, but it had no return address on it. And inside was a guy. The picture was of a guy who resembled Lewis Sauter, which was one of the one of the children. And on the back of the picture was written, "Lewis Sauter, I love brother Frankie, Lil Boys A nine zero one three two or three five. So it was either three two or three five, which is also very very strange because it begs the question of if it's not if it's not their son, a who who the hell sent this to them and b who's in the photograph? The weird, and c yeah. why? Here's what I think is weird, and just just to to clarify that what you were read there at the end a nine zero one three two or three five that's exactly what's written. It wasn't like you were saying it's a three two or a three five. It's literally written. A nine zero one three two or three five end quote like it's in, that sounds like, like a license plate right it's weird right it's either a license plate yeah. or are they trying to tell us people that like this is are they like they 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 know that this is their son um or something you know what I mean like is that a zip code what's nine zero one three two is that California and what's even more strange about this that is California no it's in Italy no is it. No, never. <laughs> What's mind. even more strange about this <laughs> about this one right here too is, uh, of course, there was no return address. All it said was Kentucky, I believe. Yeah. And 
so they hired a private investigator who also disappeared. Weird. Yeah, they hired. Yeah, they sent this guy. They hired this guy and sent, sent him to Central City in Kentucky. Uh, but he never he bad. never got back in touch with the family. They couldn't find him. Um, that's 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 strange too. Yeah, and I don't mean strange. You know, in the kind of ways that we like our stories to be strange. Yeah, you can look. I on- mean. In- I was going to say, you can look online at uh, pictures, look up for Lewis Sauter, uh, and you can yeah, see the yeah. picture of the, 20, the the older guy that was sent to them and the picture of the young kid. One of the things that they tried to say is if you look at this picture, his his eyebrow, one of his eyebrows has this way of kind of like the end of it goes up a little. It's like his left eye, uh, and yeah. it's the same as the little kid's eyebrow as well. When you look at it, it it's it's hard not to see that. Like he told, It really looks like this is that guy, yeah. that kid. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely looks like what that kid could have looked like if he grew up to that age. I mean, it definitely fits. Jeez. Yeah. These people were so intent on finding what happened to their kid, they literally put up a giant sign. Uh, yes. What is it, in the town? Was Is it in the middle of the town or something? It's a big billboard. I, yeah, it's it's a huge – it was a huge billboard. It was up for 40 years. Yep. And uh, if you can actually find pictures of it and read what they had written on the billboard, they called out the police and everybody on this billboard. At yeah. the top of the billboard, it says, what was their fate? Kidnapped, murdered, or are they still alive? $5,000 reward. And they replaced the picture of their nine-year-old son with the older picture when they got that. I mean, this is like, this is like, this billboard is like the first milk carton. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, this is this was a milk carton before they put missing kids on milk cartons you know yeah, this wow. is just and and you guys are right the more you dig into it the more the more stuff you read the more uh you connect the dots as it were the stranger this gets so yeah there's a there's another thing that also happens uh that they this was the thing i found really really weird is uh they did eventually find some like vertebrae bones in the area yeah and, yeah and it was sent to uh oh where was it sent to this is well before we had like dna testing and all that um it was sent somewhere where they where at the time they were looking to that stuff i can't believe i'm blanking on the name of it uh but anyway so they uh it was uh it was they just dis- they wasn't it? i don't remember got, but got, it was i think it's a pathology yeah it says here pathologist uh in dc uh oh no 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 i'm wrong i'm wrong it was sent to the smithsonian institution Yes, yes, that's it. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. It was sent. They were sent there, and apparently they de- they determined that the like the age from for that uh, for that vertebrae would be like a uh, mu- uh, little uh, older than any of the kids that were upstairs. Which is weird. Sixteen or seventeen years old. Which is weird yeah. too. Which so is why weird are those too. bones? Why is that in, there? In their yeah, in their dirt. Yeah. What? Well, it's, it says it says here that uh, that they 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 confirmed. That the bones supposedly confirmed that bone fragments came from a cemetery in Mount Hope, which is pretty close to this town. But nobody can ex- can explain how like how did they get there? Yeah, and that's not the only weird thing. Uh, apparently, also there was a rumor that was going around town uh, that the pastor of some church there eventually told the Sauters about that one of the investigators. I can't remember if it was the fire chief or somebody like that. It was somebody who had some sort of authority. Uh, had claimed that 
they during the investigation they had found uh, a heart, an actual human heart, <laughs> and they put it in, in a box. Right? This is all. This is all true. This is what was told to yeah, George. This is all going on with this case specifically. This is why it's so crazy. There's even more after this. Yeah. Yep. But so when George goes and asks this guy, or I think he had an investigator ask him, or somebody asked him. He admitted that uh, he went and dug it up. He actually buried it and everything, from what I understand. And it ended up not actually just being like a piece of beef or something like that. And yeah. he had and he's and his reason for doing that was to he said he was trying to bring closure to the Soder family, like he was trying to help them for some weird reason. This was a big deal back then, man. There was all kinds of people had all kinds like it, it was the talk of the town. Everyone had a theory as to what was going on. Some people thought it was Mussolini's people. Like the fascists were, were trying to shut him down. Did you see that some of the theories were that it was the mafia? The local mafia yep. had tried to recruit him and he declined. They tried to extort money and he refused. Yep. Um, well, but that's one of those things where you, you read it and you go, you know, that. but burning down the house and leaving people alive doesn't seem like a mafia tactic. Yeah, what was his, what was his job? Well, I'll tell what you, the mafia job? tactic part was you wouldn't you wouldn't kill the kids. You wouldn't do anything with the kids. You could burn the house down. He would. It, it would have been for to have him. I don't know. What was what was uh, George's job? I don't. I don't remember. Um, he was. Let me see if I can find it here. He uh, was a solder. Solder. <laughs> he started. Solderer. He started his own comp- trucking company, hauling fill dirt to construction sites, and then began uh, hauling coal, and okay. which explains right. why those two trucks were there. Right. Yeah. So he had his own company. He was running his own business there. And West Virginia, which has, especially at the time, was definitely a coal mining state. Oh, definitely, definitely. Yeah. So the mafia theory works in in this for that in the sense of maybe they wanted his business yeah. for a front or something, right. you know? Yeah. But again, like Chris said, why not why not just kill him? Yeah. And if you're gonna if you're gonna burn the house down. And uh, if you're going to use that as a way to kill him, wouldn't you attempt to make sure that he was still in the house when it burned? People thought that the kids were kidnapped and sold to an orphanage back in Italy. Why would you sell children to an orphanage? What, as slaves? Like, aren't orphanages for children to to find parents? Yeah, and I didn't think the orphanages, like, have children so, like when you give a child up you know, to an I, orphanage are you selling them i was gonna say it doesn't make any sense unless unless what the orphanage pays for the kid is much less than what they're getting paid for uh by the parents when they come to get the kid right because they pay i didn't, for I didn't know an orphanage paid for a kid well the orphan the orphanages <laughs> the, get uh uh it was on the black market <laughs> yeah they yeah. they get they get money for every child that they have in their care right um, yeah from the state i believe it is um, kind of like when you, you know, when you foster children, yeah. you know, you, you get a stipend from the state because you're fostering this kid and, and the money is meant to yeah. help you take care of that child. Right. Uh, but as we know, people abuse that system all the time. Oh, yeah. You know, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if an if an orphanage had done the same thing. That's true. So, uh, what do you guys think? I mean, I'm, I'm, I, I th- there's so many avenues that this goes down, and so many kind of branches, and you know, little, little, almost coincidences that fit too well. That I, I don't know if there's, I don't know if there's one explanation 
Before I'll, tell, you, I'll tell you this. I was every say time bef- I look, in, every time I look into this story, sorry to interrupt you, Chris. No, you're good. Um, it, is that uh, I keep I, I come out with a different thought of what happened every time. So before you say what you think happens, though, how do we wrap up this story? What's the ending part? What? How does this end? Um, Nobody's well, Sylvia Sauter, who was the youngest, the two-year-old child, um, still, still is looking for her family basically uh george died in 1969 and jenny his wife died in 1989 which if you think about it it's very sad because these two people died without ever knowing what happened to five of their children i also saw after she died the billboard came down the the town took the billboard down yeah yeah now but apparently the children and grandchildren of the surviving children uh continue to look and like they try to get the answers for this thing all except for what's his name, John John Sauter, uh, who thinks that the whole thing should just be done with, and that everybody needs to move on. Basically, that's crazy. Uh, he he would never he would never talk about the night of the fire, apparently, which is also very interesting and very telling in its own way. One of the creepy um, things I saw too was that the youngest, that Sylvia. Uh, yes, that this night in 1945 are one of her first memories ever. She was two yep. years old, so she her some of her most first memories ever burned into her psyche are the fire, the screaming, the blood on her father. You know what I mean? Like that's insane. Well, I'm gonna t- I'm gonna tell you guys this. Speaking as a parent, if I lost five of my children in one night, you would be burying me the next day. Oh, geez. Because I wouldn't be able to live with that. I mean, I'm surprised that this man and this woman went on uh, with their lives. Well, because, because they would, assumed that they were still, me. They assumed their child was still alive. That's why. There was no end for them. It wasn't that their kids were dead. You have to. You would have to assume that just for your own sanity. Uh, sanity. I mean, what Carter's saying is true. I think any parent who loves their, I mean, loves their kid, if you lose that child... I mean, what? How are you supposed to deal with that? That's got to be. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't even imagine it. Yeah. What? So, what do you think happened, Johnny? What's your thoughts on this? Well, as I was saying before, every time I look into this, um, this, this moment in our history, I'll, I'll pick out little things that I read that stand out more than I did the time before, and it make me think something else. Yep. Um, like this time when I was going through it, for whatever reason, it didn't dawn on me that I don't think we mentioned this yet. That sometime after the fire, I don't remember how long it was after it. I don't feel it was too super long. Uh, George actually would, uh, they couldn't stand, uh, you know, that their memories of the children were there. Because I think this is before they made me really thought that they were missing or something. So he would like bulldoze a bunch of dirt over it, over where the house was. Yeah. And that to me was a little odd and strange. Now, I, I think, agree. I think it's a little. So every once in a while, I think, well, maybe George knows more than he's saying. I think so. And maybe I, I, so that's what I, I truly feel. I think he knew way more than what he said. That's I'm not saying that it had anything to do with it, but I think he knows way more than he let on. Personally. Yeah, I don't. I'm not sure if there's enough evidence here for us to lay blame on the parents, but I will agree with you that that's strange. But at the same time, it could have been. For him, at least personally, it could have been a form of, you know, catharsis. I'm, I'm literally, I'm trying to bury these memories. Yeah, no, I'm not you know blaming. I mean? Yeah, I'm not blaming the parents at all. I'm saying 
Just because I feel they might know more than they're letting on doesn't mean I'm blaming them. Right. I'm just saying that right. they, well, may I, have, they may yeah, have more I mean, information than what they give us. There's, yeah, there's the no public. way. There's no way for us to know. I mean, right. because yeah, what, exactly. if they did know something, the the two of them took it with them to their graves. Correct. Yeah. And if they if they if they didn't know anything, then I feel like that makes this even more tragic than it already was. To you know, to wake up one night, your house is on fire. Five of your children in your mind disappear um and it seems like they disappear right off the face of the earth you know all you ever all you ever hear or see is this is this photograph that gets mailed to you from from some you know some place in Kentucky that you've and then you and then you send a guy down to investigate it and he disappears yeah, there's a lot of weirdness in this. There's there's so much weirdness in this. It's hard to even come up with uh, what you actually truly feel what happened because of all the weird, strange turns and stuff in this. Um, man, I don't know. My gut kind of tells me that the the kids upstairs um, were – if they were there when this fire happened and they died up there, that was covered up somehow because there's no evidence of them being up there during the yep. fire. Uh but then you'd have all these people who are lying about it later saying they saw them and stuff, which is weird to me. Well, and so then I it goes know. back to the original question of what's the motivation for that? Why cover up the deaths of five children for, yeah. you know, if, if that's the case, then there's something going on here that we don't know. Right. Yeah. Hmm. Um, so I have no idea. Like, I really don't know what to think on this one. This is one of those ones that really always boggles my brain every time I, I dive deep into this one. Well, and a lot of times when we when we roundtable something like this. We can come up with some fairly solid conclusions. You know, when we yeah. roundtabled Stardust Ranch, we all kind of agreed that the dude was probably a little off his rocker and his wife was kind of feeding the delusions. When we did, uh, when we roundtabled Stan Romanek, we came, we came to a similar conclusion. His first UFO sighting was probably for real and legit and everything else was a bunch of crap. But this one, I, I don't, I don't even, I don't even feel like you can draw a conclusion. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, you're taking just, whatever conclusion you make. You're going to be taking leaps in logic and faith. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I'm very curious what Chris thinks, but also uh, this, this, uh, I mean, at the end of the day, uh, a family, I mean, let's just imagine if you're one of the kids, let's just take the parents out of it. Cause we don't know what they knew and what they didn't know. Yeah. Obviously, the kids were way too young to be a part of anything whatsoever. Yeah. So all they know was that half of their family was just gone one night. They were either kidnapped. I think they all uh, got to where they just believed they were kidnapped, I think, except for you said that one who wouldn't talk about it. Um, so they, either they were kidnapped and you never got to see them again or they died then. Either way, that's got to just destroy you. I mean, that two-year-old, that's her first memory. Could you imagine that being your first memory? No, not at all. I mean, this is just a heartbreaking story all the way around, no matter how you want to do it. The only thing I can definitely say with, with 100% uh, what I feel is 100% truth is that that town's fire department and police and all that were, at the time, uh, oh, horrendous. <laughs> oh, this is this is gross negligence on, oh, the, yeah. on their part, they for sure. For sure. Or yeah, was it? And they had every reason not to be good. Or was uh, it? Ooh. <laughs> Or was well, it? no. I th that's see. That's exactly what we're saying. 
you know, there's so many avenues where, which there's you know, only one avenue, my friends. It's only one avenue. What avenue is that? Well, first of all, <laughs> we know that this guy came from Sicily. When he came to the town in West Virginia, he didn't tell anybody about his past life. Nobody knew what he was coming from Sicily from. That's true. That is true. To be fair, to back you up, everything that I saw, like they never gave a reason for why he moved here. In Sicily, at the time, in the 40s, you had Mussolini rising to power in Italy. And the mafia was a huge deal at that time as well. The mafia, Mussolini butted heads. They did not, the mafia didn't like Mussolini at all. And Mussolini, as far as he was concerned, wanted to run the mafia out of Italy altogether. So this guy comes over to West Virginia, doesn't say where he's from. He's straight Italian off the boat with his his wife and most of his kids and builds himself a little business. And I don't know how long it takes for many immigrants in the 40s to build a business, but he seemed to have a business running pretty quickly. Um, Then he's very vocal about his anti-Mussolini in a town where there are a lot of Mussolini supporters. Then there's these theories that the mafia were trying to recruit him. And why wouldn't they? He's completely against Mussolini. And maybe it's because they knew who he was in the old country. He's here in this country and he's done with that. He doesn't want to do the mafia stuff. He does hate Mussolini, but he just wants to raise his family and, and you know do his own thing there. And the mafia wasn't having it. Uh, the people of the town didn't care for him. Now, I don't know if you guys are familiar with mafia TV shows or or movies, but back then, especially in the 40s, they controlled basically so many different positions of power here in the States. Police departments, fire departments, uh, unions. I mean, they just had their hands in everything. So maybe it was the Fed. Maybe it was uh, they tried to recruit him, or maybe it wasn't even that they tried to recruit him. Maybe it was uh, a rival family found out this is where he's been hiding and we're going to kill him. And like I said, the mafia don't just kill uh, just to kill. They they lived by a code with the way they killed. They, they wouldn't kill women or children. So maybe the whole thing with setting the place on fire, they sent someone in to pull the children out. They just didn't realize the children were split on two levels. They thought maybe they were all sleeping in the same room. Do you know what I mean? And it's, that could be true, too. So they take the kids, and a lot of the kids are so young that they're they're either forced to live somewhere out in Italy where they were supposed, you know, they they took him away. Uh, but the idea was to have him killed. You know what I mean? Uh, maybe even the wife. Maybe the wife was a part of the thing, and that's why it was okay to kill her as well. But I think this guy got tied up in stuff, and like you said, Johnny, he knew more than he was letting on because he couldn't. There was stuff he couldn't say because then the rest of his kids who did survive and the ones who weren't killed, he knew that they didn't kill his kids. He knew that because he knew the the the, the code that the mafia lived by. Do you know what I mean? So that's why he knew for 100% sure that his kids were still alive and he just wanted them back. Uh, yeah, dude, I think this was a, a mafia thing. Hmm. Well, and that's I, – I, I feel like I feel like there's, there's really – you know, there's either what Chris suggested – the fact that I think the other side is that maybe 
Remember a second ago we were talking about how grossly negligent this fire department, this police department was. There's every chance that they could have missed something in this in this fire and that these children did die. And again, I still think it's the mafia. That's why they did, it took them so long to go out there. They weren't that, that was the point. They weren't going to go out there yet. They weren't going to answer the phone when it was coming from these people, you know what I Cuz in the 40s a lot of times when you made the oh. phone call, weren't wasn't that where the operators would be like you know, plug yeah. it through from them. So they knew where the yep. phone calls were coming from. Um, I just feel like so much, everything, when you put a hit out on somebody, you make sure that the, the, the whole, everything about the environment is right. So you make sure the ladder is not there. You make sure that the cars cannot start. So you can't get away. You know what I mean? Like all of this stuff is made so that everything is contained right there. And a hit is supposed to be put out. Well, I think there's two. I think there's two conclusions from that. If that's true, why didn't they come back and kill him? Um, and what you're talking about is a giant criminal conspiracy. I mean, a you, you're talking you're talking Carter. two or three dozen people involved in this. Carter, have you ever heard of the conspiracy to kill JFK? How many do you think are involved in that? One? I, I I'm, <laughs> I'm not no I'm not saying it's not true. I'm simply saying what you're talking no. about here is 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 large enough that I feel like much like the Kennedy conspiracy, somebody would have opened their mouth by now. Yeah, maybe if they did, they could have also, I think you can correct me on this, Chris, cause I think you know a lot more about the mafia than I do, but, um, I'm not, they I'm also not, huge? I'm not admitting to anything. Well, <laughs> oh, oh, sorry. I even said that then pretend I didn't, <laughs> uh, but weren't but weren't the mafia? I know you said Mussolini was trying to get them out of Italy, but weren't they also? But they were pretty huge in Italy too, right? The mafia. Yeah. Oh yeah, the criminal. I mean, that was the whole idea was that it was. You, there's two types of uh, of societies and civilizations. There's the ones we know with laws and the way, and then there's this whole other way of living that the mafia lived, and they. I mean, it pervaded Italy since um, much earlier than the 40s. I think it was even into the 1800s that the mafia goes way back. Um, you well, know, so, and that yeah. was one of the reasons why the mafia was uh, actually working with the U.S. government at the time of World War II because they wanted Mussolini out, and they knew this was one of the ways to try and do it. Yeah, there's the the, the mafia is is in all kinds of different uh, aspects in our history, and I feel like in this story, I think that there's there's a part of it that has to do with. It. I really do. I feel like this guy well, I- was was part of it in Italy, came here either to escape. And they found him here, and that's how they went at him. Or they tried to, you know, to to recruit him, and he refused. And they weren't having it because once you're in, you're in. The only way out is by death. You know what I mean? It's rare yep. that it's super rare that they let you out of the mo- like you're you're just let go. Like you're you're allowed to go on with your life without any kind of retaliation. Well, that's the old joke, right? You ever heard that old joke? Mafia guy gets shot. Uh, dies in the hospital they resuscitate him when he gets out he goes to the don and says hey i died for you can i go now yeah right so did he let him go i mean no he shot uh, him according, again according no according <laughs> to that story the, the don was like you know what you're a funny guy why don't you go down to key west and look after the family's assets there mafia doesn't have any assets in key west <laughs> <laughs> or do they uh it's the russian mafia not the italian mafia. so uh so that's my thoughts on the thing i think it was a i think it was a mafia thing well if it was it would play into it because like you said we don't know who this guy was before he came over here 
All that we know, all the information that we have about him is is after he came here, his wife, his kids, yada yada yada, his yeah. businesses. It'd be yeah, there's a lot of there's this mystery around him too. To be fair, uh, also, I mean, George Sauter does not sound Italian to me. Am I, am I wrong? No, about his, this? his nah. no, his name, his original name when he came to the states, uh, his name was Giorgio Sadu. Okay, that's a little better. So I guess he, you know. Got it. Yeah. Got it. Americanized when he came over here. Yeah, he yeah. Americanized it up a little bit there. Yeah, yeah. So it'll be up to. I'll be. I'd be interested to see what our creepers, the listeners, think of of this and what their thoughts are. Like what their theory is and what happened to the kids. The whole situation behind everything was it just bumbling? You know, bumbling fire department. Was it because that the guys were? You know, most of the fire department, the men were at war. So a lot of the men didn't answer the calls to come out for, you know, to help out. And, and I guess one of the things was that the fire chief said he couldn't drive the truck. I don't know if he was drunk or just he never had experience driving the truck. But he said he couldn't drive the truck was one of the reasons it took so long to come out there. Um, but, like, then why did Sauter, you know, bulldoze over that after five days? Like, what was he trying so, to hide? Do you know what I mean? So, basically, basically what you think, Chris, is that either these coincidences – quote unquote coincidences were just a bunch of shitty coincidences happening at one time or they weren't. I think, yeah, I think it wasn't at all. I think it was the mafia. I see again, I feel like there's not enough, you know, information here because we don't know what the parents know. We're never going to know what the parents know. Right. You know, that's why this is unexplained. <laughs> That's why these things go unexplained because we'll never get the answers. One, especially once they die and they're gone. Well, I think there's two kinds of that. There's the kind where we talked about Amelia Earhart. Eventually, they probably will find out what happened to her, and it won't be anywhere near as cool as the stuff we come up with. And then there's the shit that just stays unexplained, and there's no possible way now to find out what happened. So that's a satisfying conclusion we have. Right? <laughs> These are the right. ones where you're left to just come up and theorize and have those conversations with your friends over some drinks. And it's, that's the kind yeah. of story this is. We're not going to be able to give you a, a conclusive answer. Right. I don't, I don't know if there is a conclusive answer. I don't think so. You know, in a situation like this with this kind of weirdness. Agreed. Well, all righty then. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. listeners, uh, this is up to you now. You decide what you think happened. You can uh, look into it more online. There's all kinds of different websites and stories. There's different podcasts that uh, cover this. There's all kinds of stuff online, documentaries. Uh, look into it. See what you guys think. Because uh, definitely, it's funny that all three of us have a different thought on what it happened. Yeah, usually we can come to a pretty firm yeah. <laughs> yeah. agreement. <laughs> I came not, out of the, I came out from one. left field with the mafia, but the more I thought about it, the more I was like, "This makes so much more sense if you really apply that to this, like all of this stuff, even the bizarre activity, but you know, of covering up stuff. Like it's it's because you just don't want it to be found out anymore. You want to find your kids, but you don't want to you don't want people digging into all your other information. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's Soder then. <laughs> Soder right. then. All right, guys. Soderberg. Uh, so we're coming to the end of this episode. Are, Johnny, it's funny. We stopped doing the the shout out on the other show. I don't know if we're going to do that here. Are we going to do that here? Do you have new stuff you want to promote, oh. Carter? Do you have a new book or anything you want to promote? Um, 
you know what we stopped Actually, doing? I, I, I do. Uh, my, my newest novel, Nightfall, is available on Amazon. It's a two-volume uh, set, book one and book two, uh, because they wouldn't give me an editor. So it's just really, really long. But uh, <laughs> Sweet. yeah, my, my newest book is finally out after a year. Nice. Go get it, people. So go check it out. Go, go check, check it, it out, out. Creepers. Uh, Johnny and I discussed this before, and, and we probably shouldn't have discussed it before the show instead of on the show, but uh, a lot of our shows, we end re- basically repeating the same stuff where people can find us, and a lot of the listeners already know this. you know. And if you're new to us and you just found us, chances are uh, you like us and you'll subscribe, uh, or you won't. But I think from now on, I'm just going to put a lot of where you can find us, our, our online stuff, in the, the show notes. Um, aside from BICBP-radio.com where you can find this podcast and all the other ones that we do. Um, that's all, at least from my end. I'm just tired of repeating myself every episode. So from now on, I'm just going to shout out the uh, the network. Go check it out. Uh, everything from there on, uh, you guys know what to do. Johnny? Yeah, yeah I want to say real quick, uh, I agree with you on this. So we're not going to, from now on, from here on out, I don't think uh, we're going to really push anything for ourselves unless it's just something new like yeah. Carter's book. Uh, but also, we do have a new show, Abnormal Times, that Chris and I are a part of. There it is. If you like this show, but you also enjoy some really goofy uh, back-and-forth banter, uh, then give us, give us a shot on there. I'm pretty proud of the first episode. It was just released on iTunes and Stitcher. That's right. We were talking about that. So go check it out, Abnormal Times. And it's like you said. It's a sister show. It's We cover news about just odd, off-the-wall things that are happening now that's not more headlines, and we just riff on it. Uh, right. Abnormal Times on the uh, network, BICBP-radio.com, iTunes, uh, and soon to come on Stitcher. Uh, first episode's up. Second one's coming in two weeks. How was that? Every two weeks, right? That episode, that show? Correct. Shows every two weeks. So, uh, yeah. Keep your eyes out. Anything else? Anything else you guys want to promote before we tell these guys to take off? Nope. Take off. Nope. Yeah, we're good. All right, guys. Yeah, thanks so much. For, <laughs> thanks so much for listening. For Johnny Townsend, for Carter Johnson, this is Chris Chavez. Stay creepy.